1: come what me. That the word of God says it, I believe it.
2: And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford.
0: Are you ready for the criminalization of Christianity? I hope not. That the Democrats plan to move forward today on the deceptively named Equality Act, which not only would end the legal recognition of biological sex and destroy women's sports, but also mark the triumph of so-called gay rights over freedom of religion as protected under the First Amendment. It really is that dire. We have been warning, as you know, about this legislation for a very long time. It passed the House before. Now it's going before the House again with the Democrats in control of all of Congress and the White House. This dream legislation of Big Gay and its progressive allies could become law, but. Could this all fall apart as sexual radicals find waning Republican support for the bill in the Senate, even among senators like Mitt Romney? Very interesting. And what's more, former co-sponsor Senator Susan Collins of Maine now says she won't co-sponsor the bill. And it seems that's because she's mad at the human rights campaign. It's getting a little bit dramatic out there. We're going to get some thoughts now from Stephen Black, executive director of First Stone Ministries. Always a joy to have you here. Stephen, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you, Janet. I didn't expect to be able to bring any kind of hope to this particular discussion until I was reading about some of these monkey wrenches that may be in the mix here, whether or not the Senate would actually pass the Equality Act. It's looking a little dire right now, and I'm not sure how happy we should get, but this really is a big, big deal, isn't it? You've been following this and tracking this for a long time.
3: It is a huge deal uh, in what... Uh, would be put on all American citizens, uh, and even the church, and yet people are really pretty, I think they're naive about what the Democrats really are proposing. But this situation in the Senate, this is good news. Um, So I'm not holding my breath as, as I have hoped for Republicans uh, to have courage in the past. So we'll see what happens with
0: this. Well, we will. So let's go over some of the basics here. For starters, the Equality Act would amend fe- fe- the federal civil rights law by adding sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes, and there are all sorts of implications. Sports is one angle, but for the church, and particularly, Stephen, for what you do as a ministry, you help people really deal with their sexual brokenness through the transforming part uh, power of the gospel of Jesus. Christ, talk a little bit, if you would, about what this will do to Christians and particularly to ministries like yours.
3: Well, that is a great question because uh, a lot of people, when we bring this up, they say, "Well, but that's only a federal issue; that will only, um, you know, affect like federal organizations." And that's just not an accurate assessment uh, because we already know what the human rights campaign, people like the Southern Poverty Law Center. and and what their game plan is, and that is the absolute radical normalization of LGBTQ and that plus sign at every level of society. And they have stated themselves, like the Human Rights Campaign, have stated that faith faith issues must be eroded, now they don't use the word eroded, but must be infiltrated to bring about what even some evangelicals have called sexual minority status Mm. with even the church Mm. and and how they start this janet is really very methodical so they'll start with the equality act and you know they started with the resolution now we had president biden signing on inauguration day his discrimination policy which is basically an executive order of the same thing and and how this happens is then at city council levels, ordinances are passed, and then county levels, and then they go into the universities, and then they go into um, unions and and other uh, employment agencies. The the five you know the the five hundred um, different um, uh, major players of um, uh, employment in the United States that uh, you know control billions and billions of dollars of employment income, and they force what they call inclusivity and sensitivity into the employment area. This will affect all medical industry, insurance, and of course, the NEA, National Education Association. It goes in all the way to kindergarten level, normalizing what is this LGBTQ behavior, which is not immutable. And so they want to make it equal to heterosexual immutability, which is innate, biological, it is not just a mere behavior, heterosexuality. Heterosexuality is the created intent of God and His divine intention for human sexuality. So what they're going to do is they're now going to teach our children that LGBTQ behaviors are normative to mommy and daddy, and must be accepted as the same thing as mommy and daddy, which scientifically, uh, and of course biblically, we the truth is on our side on these issues.
2: Oh,
0: of course. And so
3: this is this is huge. What's happening? In our country,
0: well, it is. In fact, it was interesting to note that the Catholic League called the Equality Act the most comprehensive assault on Christianity ever written into law. Ryan Anderson from the Heritage Foundation has said that religious schools, adoption agencies, other charities would face federal sanction for operating according to basic biology and mainstream biblical teaching on sex and marriage. And this is something that I think can't be overstated, Stephen. What they're really talking about in this equality. Act is getting rid, uh, essentially, of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which was put into place in order to protect religious liberty. They're just going to say there are no religious exemptions for any of this. This is, ter- right. this is terrifying and unconstitutional, I would argue, but they don't really seem to care.
3: No, no, they don't care. I mean, look what's happened with this whole shenanigans with the impeachment. They, they absolutely do not care. They have an ideology And and really it is secular humanism, it is a religion, and LGBTQ is, and and I know for some people it's shocking to hear, but it really is a cult mentality. It is a faith-based issue for them in secular humanism based upon the faith of their behaviors and their desires being normative to what we as Christians know is the divine intention The creation of God and assaulting it, and so you know that is in itself something that really does need to be uh, unpacked, because you have this faith-based issue with the human rights campaign also eroding in the church. Yes, and you have players in very high places that have brought a normalization. They call it even sexual minorities.
0: Yes, they do
4: to,
3: to to really align with the human rights campaign.
0: Well, and that's really what people need to understand. This has been the work of activists for a very long time. We had the Employment Non-Discrimination Act that was introduced for about 20 years in Congress and could never make any headway because people understood what the implications were. If you start, uh, you know, bringing in sexual orientation and gender identity as if they're immutable characteristics, which decidedly they are not. So what they started doing, and this kind of goes back to what you just said, Stephen, they went around starting in Houston. Remember Anise Parker, the... Uh, lesbian mayor with the bathroom bill and and that whole you know thing blew up and then they started going to all these other cities and smaller jurisdictions and trying to get these laws passed this is a relentless activist cause and i i just like you said at the outset i think the church is extremely naive maybe they're beginning to wake up a little bit but people need to get on the horn and really let their voices be heard before these votes take place
3: Yeah, they really do, because this will be an all-out assault of the normalization of LGBTQ, and people really do need to understand what that is. That's the normalization of sodomy and other very debased uh, sexual practices that I can't even mention on air. They They would need to go and get the book, Homosexuality and the Medical Consequences, and read it for themselves. The, and the CDC statistics On what goes on And then but the, the thing is Is that T and that Q And that plus sign And so now we're normalizing Mental illness Mental trauma uh, With people that want to change their, their gender which is You know you can't change your sex
0: No you can't hang on Stephen we're going to take a very short pause We'll be back with Stephen Black from First Stone Ministries Discussing the Equality Act We'll be back Hi, this is Janet Mefford. Did you miss the deadline to sign up for a health care program at the end of 2020? If so, I have good news. A special enrollment period is taking place now through May 15th, meaning that if you're looking to enroll in a new health care program for 2021, you can do so without the need for a qualifying event. More than 200,000 Americans trust Liberty HealthShare for their health care needs. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that offers affordable health care sharing programs, starting as low as $199 per Per month. Liberty HealthShare gives you the ability to choose any doctor or hospital across the nation. Memberships are for individuals, couples, and families, offering a variety of options to best suit your medical needs. Discover more about the power of sharing at libertyhealthshare.org slash jmt today. For more information, call 855-585-4237, 855-585-4237, or libertyhealthshare.org slash jmt.
1: Many people in developing nations have no access to desperately needed medical care. That's why Mercy Ships brings volunteers aboard our hospital ship, the Africa Mercy, to give the world's forgotten poor the free medical care they need. We have an immediate need for registered nurses, especially with a pediatric specialty. As a volunteer nurse, you won't just give life-altering health care, you'll receive so much in return.
0: It's an amazingly rewarding experience.
1: You'll give hope and make a difference in the lives of those who have virtually no access to medical aid.
0: It's such a fantastic thing to do. Everybody who I've met on this ship either wants to come back and do it again, or they're already here for the second, third or 10th time.
1: So what are you waiting for? Show mercy to someone today.
0: I would say go for it.
1: Get more information and learn how to apply by visiting mercyships.org forward slash nurses. That's mercyships.org forward slash nurses. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now here's Janet.
0: We've been talking about it for years, and now that the Democrats control Washington, they are determined to press through the Equality Act. I've never probably heard any piece of legislation with a worse, more inaccurate name than the Equality Act because there's nothing equal about it. And it's interesting, Stephen Black is with me from First Stone Ministries. It's interesting, Stephen, to note that the House is apparently not even going to have hearings or a committee vote. The Senate Judiciary Committee is expected to have some hearings, and that should be more interesting. They're just going to go right for the vote. It looks like it's going to pass in the House. But let's go over some more of the provisions here, uh, some of the consequences of the Equality Act. For example, the Equality Act, as the Family Research Council points out, would jeopardize women's privacy and safety. So they'd be expanding public accommodations to mean that females would no longer have privacy in public bathrooms, locker rooms, showers, or even battered women's shelters. And can you imagine if a wife... or a girlfriend who was being beaten up by her husband or partner ends up in a women's shelter and a man comes in dressed as a woman and gets to be right next to her I mean talk about trauma this is just evil what they're proposing to do
3: Uh, well and it is and and you have to track with their their crazy talk in that they now even try to redefine the term woman and so you actually have to now communicate biologically born female, yeah. biologically born male, because they now want to hijack and even bring chaos and distortion to that which is fundamental, to that which should be common sense. Right. And you even have the Speaker of the House who's wanting to do this in the way that our representatives communicate about gender and sex. I mean, you could, it, this is like a, a, a nightmare uh, horror story, um, fantasy—that something Hollywood came up with—that has you know uh, demons coming up out of the pit. Mm. This is the, the the level of craziness that is now being trying to be mainstreamed and normalized to our children, and it is a direct assault on women. It is a minimization of the beauty of femininity. Where are these feminist activists? Yeah. It is an attack on children. They want to give hormone blockers to prepubescent, developing ma- males and females to stop their uh, uh, their their just their natural growing, uh, budding sexuality, uh, and becoming male and female uh, in uh, you know their uh, development. Yeah. And they now they're even proposing that there be slush funds for these children to get the hormones and. The surgeries, Janet. This is this is akin to what is right beside spiritually as demonic as abortion, and now it's a full fledged uh, an assault on females to have, and they're especially targeting the females to have healthy breast removal as a part part of a normal developmental part of, of our teenage society. Well, this right. is what they want to switch the culture to.
0: Right. And it would also force doctors who provide legitimate hormone treatments and surgeries for patients with certain physical conditions to offer those treatments to individuals with gender dysphoria. We're back to this uh, forced a uh, situation where you have to do something against your conscience. We've got the female athletes now having to face biological males competing in women's sports, which is ridiculous. Something else, though, that that needs to be mentioned, I think, is the Equality Act. As people have pointed out, could erode parental rights. I mean, we've already seen in Ohio, for example, those parents who declined to give their child hormone treatments because they didn't agree with this. I'm a, you know, I'm a uh, uh, the opposite sex, and they lost their parental rights. Stephen. I mean, this right. this the, would become the normal there in
3: Texas. That's and right. That's right. And the, the dad in Texas who had the little boy who had the crazy mom, wanting to do the same thing with the little boy and transition him. Right. And, and you know, this is absolutely an assault on, on not just parental rights, but the the actual definition of what family is. And of course, they've been doing that for years with the whole homosexual agenda. But now we're going to bring chaos. To gender and sexuality. This well, is
0: tragic. It is tragic. And going back to the religious freedom issue, again, the Family Research Council has outlined this. The Equality Act's expansion of public accommodations could require churches and houses of worship to violate their beliefs regarding how they use their facilities. Its changes to employment law would prohibit some houses of worship from ensuring their clergy and employees abide by their doctrines or beliefs about marriage, sexual behavior, and the distinction between the sexes. We've seen this during the pandemic, this very thin line between church and state when the state wants to get in the church's business and shut us down. This is very, very scary. And something else that a lot of people don't know is the Equality Act could be the most pro-abortion legislation to pass the House in a decade. This is huge. This is huge. It would add sex discrimination as a protected class and then define prohibitions on sex discrimination to include preventing treating pregnancy or a related medical condition, which could include abortion, less favorably than other physical conditions. So it would essentially create an abortion mandate as well. That's how bad this is.
3: Oh, it's so bad. And then, of course, Planned Parenthood is uh, actually licking their lips on the idea of being able, and they're already moving forward, with providing hormone blockers and sex education for the transgender and a whole nother line of business. Wow. For
0: them. Wow. Yep. Then just they, go, they know what the moneymakers are. It's just exploitation. It's unbelievable. You know, going back to where this is headed, I'd mentioned before that Senator Susan Collins, who's pro-LGBT, apparently got mad at the human rights campaign because they had endorsed her in previous elections, but not in 2020. Now she told the Washington Blade, which is a gay media outlet... She She will not co-sponsor it. They're actually kind of worried about the Republicans because they have to find 10 Republicans in order to reach the 60 votes needed to end a filibuster on this legislation. And that's because the chamber has this 50-50 split. So... Who knows how Collins is going to go? Romney said he won't vote for this. Now you have to go for, for example, Rob Portman. That's one of the people they're working on because Rob Portman has a gay son and people like Lisa Murkowski. But 10 Republicans is a lot of Republicans to have to get, especially when a lot of people are mad on the transgender issue. Having boys playing girls sports, that seems to be the one that is really upsetting people across the board.
3: Well, and we, of course, need to bring to light that plus sign uh, because the American Psychological Association has dumbed down the idea of pedophilia being something that is uh, bad. Right. It's, they've normalized the idea by calling it minor attracted per person, prepubescent, and uh, youth attracted uh, person, postpubescent, and that those are legitimate orientations. I mm. mean, this is you know the Epstein Island type mentality actually going on behind the scenes. And very few people understand, you know, we, we sound these alarms. Janet, you and I have been talking about this, you know, when we, even when we did the God's Voice conference, we've been sounding the alarms on this for years. Yes, we have. And people think, oh, we're extreme. But here it is. Here it's it is. Here. It's yep. on the doorstep.
0: And you know what? I want to get your take on this as well, Stephen, because according to some of these reports, if they can't get the number of Republicans in the Senate that they need, there is talk from a Republican lobbyist about making a compromise along the lines of the Fairness for All Act. Now, this is a boondoggle if I ever heard one. It's this idea that, well, please just give us our religious rights alongside your gay rights. How do you think this goes? Because I've said from the very beginning, all that will happen is they'll go, okay, fine, you can have your religious rights. Okay, we'll strip them with the next piece of legislation. I'm scared about this. I really am, because these Republicans better not buy into this trick. It's along the lines of how they got Obamacare passed. Oh, we won't do anything. to make you pay for abortion, and it was a total lie. These people cannot be trusted.
3: That's right, because in the box of the Democrat value system is deception and evil, and it just needs to be plainly called what it is. And in the box of the naive Republicans is uh, being almost every single time betrayed and and that's because of their naive, naivety. Yep. And they need to wake up and realize, you can't box in evil. Once you let mm. evil out, evil always wants to destroy. And that's why we have to stand up with a standard of God's ways and God's word, and uh, and, and to be light, of course, compassionately. This isn't because you or I or any anybody that is... God-fearing, God-loving uh, against gay people or LGBTQ, we're tired of this being shoved down uh, our, our value systems and now coming in uh, for the Church. Yep. And, Janet, this should be said, too. What they will also do, the Human Rights Campaign and the Southern Poverty Law Center... These people are very subtle, and they have a plan. So they go in, and they, they mandate this in insurance companies yes. and banking, and then they go after the church that way. So if you're going to have employees that need insurance or are banks, or and as we've seen, social media, internet uses, we saw Peter LaBarber's uh, um You know, website taken down because of a gay activist, mass resistance. Several other ministries have had these, um, you know, LGBTQ attacks. What do you think happens when they, when they so-called get the Equality Act, which is actually special rights to dominate the culture? Yes. What do you think happens then?
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Ryan Anderson is another example. I quoted him earlier from the Heritage Foundation. I interviewed him on his book a while back when Harry became Sally and it's about the transgender movement. Now Amazon has kicked his book to the curb, but that was on the heels of a lot of our other friends getting their books kicked to the curb on Amazon. Anybody who tells the truth about homosexuality, it seems, and gives people hope for turning away from it, or even on this transgender issue now, people are not allowed to read you. I mean, this is pure Orwellianism. It's just absolutely blatant.
3: Yeah, and they 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 do not. Now, I mean, it used to be subtle. They don't care about their plans for censoring the voice of righteousness right. and the gospel of Jesus Christ. They, of course, are neighbors to the north. They've already called it hate speech. But anyone that communicates freedom from homosexuality, and if people think that we're crazy or that we're uh, being... Uh, somewhat melodramatic here all they have to look at is what about their the the issue of quote the ruse term conversion therapy yep they've already been attacking the idea of helping people and now they call it conversion therapy ministries
0: i know after
3: our ministry and many many ministries and then they'll be after the church
0: that's right well steven thank you so much for being with us Stephen black at first stone ministries we really appreciate you
3: Always. God bless you.
0: God bless you, too. You're listening to Janet Muffer today.
2: You're listening to Janet Mefford today and now here's Janet.
0: Will the Democrats eventually succeed in their quest for a public health care option? Well, Democrat Senators Michael Bennett and Tim Kaine are pushing for it with renewed legislation. President Biden also has supported the idea. But the road to expanding government insurance options without Republicans on board may be a steep climb. Let's hope so anyway. But what does the future of American health care look like as we head into the next four years? We're going to get some thoughts on it now from Matt. Bellis, Chief Communications Officer for Liberty Health Share, a national nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry. Matt, thanks for joining us again.
2: Thank you for having me, Janet.
0: Sure thing. Well, this is interesting. The public option is now being pushed once again. What do you make of it?
2: Well, it's definitely foreseeable. Whenever you have a Biden administration in place, uh, Biden, of course, was the vice president when. The original Affordable Care Act went into place, and there has been back and forth about how much government interaction has been in uh, the, uh, the, the health care field. And we, we see a very divided Congress as it pertains to uh, a public option. There are even some Democrats who have showed that they are not necessarily for a public option, but want to increase subsidies, want to increase ways for people to uh, get better insurance, uh, but this is all a, 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 a playing on the, the sideline. This is all uh, changing the, the chairs on the deck of the Titanic here in terms of uh, a, a public in input into health care has shown to be rather disastrous, uh, increased health care costs. Decreased access in, uh, in health care, especially in rural communities where we have seen uh, many hospitals close, some 7% have closed within uh, the, the nation. And so what we're seeing with a greater input of the government into health care, we're seeing lower access and higher expenses. And so we need to have a methodology by which we reverse those trends, and you get that more with market-based principles, more people uh, a part of the healthcare uh, marketplace, uh, having actual patients in charge of their healthcare rather than disassociated third-party bureaucrats. Uh, We need to have more interaction by the public within healthcare rather than a public option or government
0: intrusion. Well, yeah. And you look at what some of the other Democrats have been pushing for. They want universal coverage through Medicare for all. And so there's kind of a division in the House there. But Matt, how much would you say some of the problems we're seeing are stemming from a problematic system in the first place? Because I know you and I have discussed that before. You know, you have a completely different model at Liberty HealthShare than a lot of people are used to with insurance that they may purchase through their employer. But what about the system we have in America for health care? What are your overall thoughts about the way it's structured?
2: Well, I will say for our medical care, we have first class bar none, absolutely uh, some of the best health care you can get in the world. As it pertains to how you pay for it, though, uh, it's a very broken system because it weighs heavily on this third-party payment type of system. And it is that third-party payment type of system that was championed by government policies in the past. It has been utilized by, again, disassociated bureaucrats who have been calling the shots in healthcare, and that has been, done nothing but, again, to rise, raise prices and to decrease access. So that's part of the reason why Liberty Healthshare and uh, organizations like ours and other healthcare sharing ministries exist. We want to reverse that trend. We want to put the responsibility and the liberty and the freedom back into the hands of the individual patients to make us private pay patients who are guiding, directing, and managing our own health care and then backed up by a by a community of individuals who will be there for you to help pay for those medical bills that are unexpected and unaffordable. It changes the entire paradigm shift when you say, okay, I'm going to prepay for my health care, and hopefully someday, whenever I need some money, it's actually there whenever I need it, or I'm going to be a part of a community, I'm going to support other members who are in need, and whenever I'm in need, They will support me as well. It's a completely different shift in thinking, but it's one whose time has come.
0: Well, very, very true. And it's interesting. I was looking at some of these stats from the Kaiser Family Foundation, and they had estimated two to three million people in December lost employer-based health coverage. I mean, that's that's a staggering amount of people. And I was thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. I thought Obamacare was supposed to solve everything. But I mean, have you seen people come on with Liberty Health Share who are in that situation where whether it was because of the pandemic or related issues, they've lost their employer coverage. And now they're saying, well, now what if I if I go to some other kind of program, it's going to be prohibitively expensive. But healthcare sharing is a totally different story.
2: After this past year, we saw millions upon millions of people who lost their jobs and lost their health care due to it. And we saw millions upon millions of people who did not qualify for any type of subsidy or, or uh, dependency uh, or any kind of uh, funding for the government to actually purchase health care. Uh-huh. So there have been a lot of people who have been seeking alternative options when it comes to purchasing health care. And we have seen people come to us and say, uh, you know, I'm at the end of my rope. I just happened to find you guys on the Internet. Uh, what is this all about? And when people start to understand what healthcare care sharing really is, they start to make those connections that this is what you would normally do if ever you had a situation in your life that was unexpected and unaffordable. It would be your friends and your family and your neighbors and your community, your church even, that you would turn to in those times of need for that support. And that's what we've done. We've just taken that concept, systematized it, put some technology behind it, made it much more effective and efficient do everything we can to bring down the cost of health care uh, to make sure that our members are paying for as little as possible for the highest greatest care. It's that entire program that starts to open people's minds to say there are other ways to take care of health care bills and high-cost health care outside of third-party payment insurance that make much more sense and do a lot more to increase the accessibility and decrease the cost.
0: Well, right. Now, when you mention private pay, people are familiar with that concept where you pay out of pocket rather than give them a, an insurance card like, like other people will do. But uh, People may have some questions, Matt, about how the system works. So you go into your doctor or you have to go to the hospital. And for a lot of people, the question is, well, how do my bills get paid? I'm used to the insurance way of doing things. With Liberty Health Share, how do I make sure that my health care expenses are being paid? What kind of role does Liberty Health Share take in that regard?
2: Uh, it's a wonderful question, and frankly, uh, it's one of those things that functionally, yes, we are completely different. But how and people uh, work with us, it's not uh, it's not outside of the realm of what people are used to. With Liberty HealthShare, you have a membership card that, whenever you go to the doctor or hospital, you show them your card that directs the doctor and hospital of how to process that payment towards Liberty Health Share. Uh, and then we receive those bills and we negotiate the bills, try to bring them down as much as possible, and you focus on your health care to make sure that you're the wisest consumer that uh, can, be, uh, can be made there. But frankly, being a part of Liberty Health Share does not prescribe you to only one way of paying for your health care you can get billed for your health care instead. Uh, I've even had some people say, hey, uh, I'll pay a small flat rate right here uh, so that then I can just send in the bill to Liberty Health HealthShare later. <laughs> I actually have a friend of mine who lives in D.C. who actually says, I go to my doctor, I'd pay 50 bucks, <laughs> I might go see him anytime I want. Uh, <laughs> and it just changes the whole paradigm. But that's the thing about members of Liberty Health Share is that we have the freedom, the option, the availability the ability to go change the whole marketplace and make it a lot better for the end consumer rather than making it better for the third-party payment system or government programs.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that I really appreciate about Liberty HealthShare is the fact that you care about the conscience protections of people who are participating, people who are worried about having to pay for abortions or, or things like that. This is something that you don't have to worry about with Liberty Health Share. correct?
2: Correct, because as a 501c3 nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry, we're guided by our conscience to share rather than guided by uh, government edicts and mandates and, and what other insurances said that we need to do. What a lot of people don't realize is that their money very may well be going toward paying for those things that would violate their conscience. So a lot of people are starting to realize that I want to be a better steward of my money, and I want to be a better—I be part of something that actually takes better care of that money and puts it toward people's medical bills to help them in their life rather than to end life.
0: Very good. Well, check them out. LibertyHealthShare.org is the website. Matt Bell is with us. Matt, always good to chat with you. Thanks a lot for being with us again.
2: Thanks for having me,
0: Janet. You bet. Take care. We'll be back on Janet Meffer Today. Janet Meffer Today is proud to partner with Preborn to help save babies' lives. Hi, this
1: is Dan Steiner, president of Preborn, and I want to send a big thank you for standing for life to you Because of listeners like you in 2020, Preborn sponsored over 45,000 free ultrasound sessions to women in need, saved over 31,000 babies, and prayed with over 6,500 women to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord. The battle rages on in 2021 at an even greater level, and our goal is to give Planned Parenthood the biggest competition ever.
0: Will you join us in saving babies' lives? Preborn funds pregnancy centers across the nation so they can offer free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. Ultrasound is a game changer because when abortion-minded women actually see their babies in their wombs for themselves, 80% of the time, they choose life. Would you please join us at Janet Meffer today to support the Ministry of Preborn? For $140, you can provide five free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. One ultrasound is just $28, and every gift helps. To donate, please call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229, or there's a banner to click at JanetMafford.com. All gifts are tax deductible, and 100% of your gift goes directly towards saving babies. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. You can get involved and you can help save a life for a gift of $140. Five free ultrasounds will be offered to women in crisis pregnancies. Let's do more than talk about abortion. Let's save some lives. Please call now with your gift, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-BABY, 855-402-2229, or there's a banner to click at janetmefford.com.
2: You're listening to Janet Mefford today, and now, here's Janet.
0: Well, today, the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, also known as the HELP Committee, is holding its nomination hearing for Dr. Levine, Dr. Rachel Levine, but it's actually a man who used to be Richard Levine and changed his name to Rachel, and he has long blonde hair, but the most masculine face I've ever seen in somebody trying to pass himself up, off as a woman it you know even seeing this gender confused person is is just a wallop because you're expected to look at this person and address this person by a female name and and he's a guy i you know what and i never want to get to a place where i actually feel like it's normal to look at a man trying to pass himself off as a woman when there's nothing feminine about him whatsoever. I'm tired of the lie. I'm really tired of the lie. And I'll tell you what's going on with this whole nomination. It better get derailed. They better not put this guy into the Department of Health and Human Services. This is President Biden's pick for the Assistant Secretary of Health at HHS. And you better believe it's a political appointment in the sense that he wanted somebody transgender in his cabinet, in his government. So, it, it, you know, it's an identity politics thing. And granted, this is a person who is secretary of the Pennsylvania Department of Health and got, got in trouble there. I mean, we've talked about this before. This was a person who infamously forced coronavirus patients out of hospitals and into nursing homes and long-term care facilities, but then pulled his mom out of a care facility. So we have the same kind of leftist inconsistencies and hypocrisy that we've seen in people like Cuomo, a little bit different situation. But there's no way that this person should be serving in this position. It's insane that we'd even get to the point where we're all supposed to be looking at him and taking him seriously. And Here's one of the reasons that we really need to double down on the fact that as somebody who is gender confused and believes he's a woman and is living his life as a woman, even though he's a guy, the activism comes with a package, folks. It always does. It always does. It's like that clip I played for you on yesterday's show in Montana where they're talking about the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and why we need to protect religious freedom. And some legislator in Montana who's a homosexual or they just said he's in the LGBT community. So who knows what he really is? And he's getting up there sobbing. Oh, this is so scary for me. Give me a break. Now, I'm just over it. And you're not allowed to have any intelligent, rational responses to these people because they'll cry or they'll you know, talk about how they're victims and they've just experienced so much discrimination and it's just awful. And look, nobody wants any bad treatment for anybody or any sort of undue discrimination. We're all Americans. We all live under the same laws. We all live under the same constitution. Everybody's for that. What I'm against is the special rights and the deception. I'm sick of it. Here's one way in which we have been deceived, and it's this. Dr. Levine has said some shocking things in the past about sex changes for kids. Did you know this? The National Pulse just came out with this story. And talked about this issue. Now, I want to play for you some clips of Dr. Levine. This was back in 2017. And this was a speech he gave at the Franklin and Marshall College and discussed some of the protocols for pre I think that's how he calls, you know, these children, ch- you know, kids. pre that's what it is. It's pre-pubertal people. I mean, who can even say this? prepubescent, I think is what we used to say. But anyway, we're talking about children here, kids. So I want to go to this particular segment so you can hear a little bit of Dr. Levine talking about this subject of sex changes and putting kids through sex changes. Listen to cut one.
4: What if you're going through the wrong puberty? What if you're a transgender young woman, meaning male to female, and and now you're getting you know, your voice is dropping, you're getting bigger, you're getting hair everywhere, and you're growing those tentacles, you know? Um, and, and what if you're a transgender young man, and now you have breast development in periods? It can be terrifying. There's a lot of mental health issues during that time. The, the uh, so here's two examples. So 17-year-old young woman that, uh, young man that I saw in clinic, referred by his pediatrician, always identified as male. Again, female identified at birth. Parents in school were supportive. He had not seen a therapist, sent to a therapist, and we treated him. He was given intramuscular testosterone. He is now in his 20s, and he's doing great. 16-year-old young transgender woman, male to female, uh, always felt female, There's a th- you can get the theme here, wanted to start hormones, lived with her mother who was supportive, saw a therapist who was supportive. She was given spironolactone and estrogen. And transitioned and um, now is in graduate school in her early 20s and did absolutely fantastic.
0: Uh, this is just sheer activism. Oh, yeah, it was this boy who wanted to be a girl and was going through the wrong puberty and everything was just fabulous. Everything was great. Everything turned out perfectly normally. Really? Where are all the cases where it went terribly wrong? and and especially all the cases where it went terribly wrong that we're going to see coming to fruition via gigantic lawsuits in about 10 or 20 years. That's because that's coming. That's coming with this kind of activism. The wrong puberty. You don't go through the wrong puberty. The puberty you go through is the puberty that God built into your body when he created you. And we're supposed to accept this as some kind of rational discussion. This is madness. And then he goes on. Listen to this, cut two.
4: The previous treatment... Uh, before these new guidelines came about, were that's when you're 18 and have a nice life. Basically, there were no medical, there was no medical treatment for individuals that were under 18. So there are new guidelines, and so these are the new guidelines that are very well accepted by by um, healthcare professionals. Uh, they are international guidelines, and most children's hospitals. Um, will be doing this. I did this. At Penn. I would treat patients at Penn State Hershey Medical Center when I was there. I think they're trying to find someone to uh, to, to do that. Uh, probably the biggest program um, near here is at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia in the Penn System uh, and they have an excellent clinic for transgender youth. So for, for pre-pubertal children there is no medical treatment. Well that kind of makes sense. I mean they're prepubertal, so they don't really have clinical levels of sex hormones, so what medical treatment would you want to do? So the idea would be to see a counselor, a therapist who is supportive, who has knowledge about these issues, to, um, you know, come. you could some see me medically and then depending on their age, come see me in a year or two, but there's no, nothing medical to do. Um, work with the parents. You know, for, for the parents of transgender youth, it can be very, very challenging. You know, that the, the transgender individual is, is, is very, being very affirmed by, by getting treatment and, and being accepted as the gender to which they identify, to the parents, whether the, the young person is you know six or 15 or 52, um, it feels, it, it's a loss. It feels like a death. You are losing the son or daughter that you thought you, now you're gaining a son or daughter, but it, it's still, you still actually almost grieve the child that you thought you had. And I know for the transgender individuals, it doesn't make any sense because I'm still here, but that's the way it feels to parents. And so we have to do a lot of counseling with youth about letting their parents go through this process because there's no way to make that faster. And sometimes, I mean, the youth is ready to go and and you have to help the parents come along.
0: No, you don't. The parents need to put a stop to this madness and keep them away from activists like Dr. Levine. You thought, you thought you had, the, the child you thought you had. Parents who don't want their kids to go through this are affirming the child they do have and trying to protect them. And then it gets worse. Listen to cut three.
4: There are follow-up protocols. Most surgical treatment would be done um, at around 18. There are some procedures that might be done um, earlier than 18. Um, and there are some exceptions. Now, this is a great protocol if um, if you're seeing patients in the cornfields of Hershey. You know, um, uh, Or at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia where the parents bring them and they all have nice insurance and this and that. Uh, if you are, however, at the Mazzoni Center, which is the LGBT center in inner city Philly, and you're seeing street youth who have been th- essentially thrown out by their parents because of their gender identity and expression, you don't always have the luxury of all of these, uh, of these protocols, so you, you don't usually use blockers. You, if, you, if you don't give them hormones, they're going to uh, get street hormones which puts them at risk for infectious diseases. So you might accelerate this if you're seeing street kids. So the academic protocol I just shared with you, but in practice, if you're seeing street youth, whether it's Philly or New York or LA or Boston or Washington, then you might have to accelerate this somewhat so that that the young people uh, feel validated and are getting care consistent with their their pace and their path, so they don't go to the street.
0: Okay, this is just so sick. I can't even properly react to it without screaming. So the kids who don't have the good insurance, the street kids might get street hormones, whatever that is. So you better accelerate putting them on hormone treatments if they're poor. This guy is sick. There is no way this guy should be confirmed at all. And I hope he doesn't get confirmed. And I hope people will speak up against his confirmation. It's just mind-blowing, isn't it? Pray for this country. We've got to leave it there. We'll see you next time here on Janet Meffer Today.